The transfer portal news cycle isn't dead yet as we just had three big commitments over the week, including a high-level scorer joining the defending champion UConn Huskies. Let's break it all down. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Andy Patton. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic week, weekend, as we get into a slower season in the college basketball coverage. But as this week has proven to us, there is still plenty of action going down. Still a lot of high-level players available in the NCAA transfer portal. Of course, players who are graduate transfers can still enter the NCAA transfer portal, we await news on pin, uh, potentially seeing Kentucky's Antonio Reeves enter the portal as that has been long rumored since he withdrew his name from the NBA draft process. But this past week, we did see three of the most notable players that were still available in the transfer portal all made big commitments. We're going to talk about each of those three players here to close out the week. Of course, starting, we're going to start with Cam Spencer at UConn. We're also going to talk about Olivia Nakamua going to Michigan, and we're going to close out the show talking about Todd Golden's newest guard, Zion Pullen, out of UC Riverside. we got to leave with the defending champs, though. Danny Hurley picking up a huge commitment from Cam Spencer, a much-needed commitment, too. You know, we've talked a lot about UConn on this podcast in the last few months uh, since their national championship victory, of course, over San Diego State, and really just kind of the state of this roster, whether they were going to be a legitimate contender to, to repeat. And, of course, since that happened, since the national championship, since they held that banner, we knew Jordan Hawkins was gone. That was that was known long before that happened. He was always going to be a guy who who have found his found himself playing in the NBA this upcoming season. We'll find out in a couple of weeks where he's going to play, but he is going to be a first round pick almost certainly. The biggest question marks around this team were what was going to happen with tournament most outstanding player Adama Sanogo as well as kind of jackknife, jack-of-all-trades, high-level role player Andre Jackson. And both those players have decided to stay in the NBA draft process, which has kind of put UConn in a bit of a tougher spot looking at their roster. You can see some some concerns, some areas where you're a little bit worried. Not only do they lose Sonogo and Jackson and Hawkins, they also lose Naheem Aleen, who has transferred to join Rick Pitino at St. John's, one of the many Big East to Big East transfers we have seen this season. Not something you see all that often, certainly something you never see in the coaching ranks until this year with Ed Cooley joining Georgetown, but not something you see in a transfer era as well. Of course, now kind of all bets are off with transfers in that regard. UConn also loses Joey Calcaterra, uh, who has ran out of eligibility after beginning his career at the University of San Diego. He was a big part of that team's bench unit last year. So it's kind of a a tough spot for Danny Danny Hurley and the UConn Huskies and kind of needed to find a a way to replace, in particular, Hawkins. You know, as Sonogo was the best player on this team last year, but A... I think Hawkins was a more valuable piece in terms of just the skill set that he brought. And B, UConn kind of already has the replacement for Adama Sanogo in Donovan Klingon. Klingon, a guy who who also declared for the NBA draft, and, and some felt that he might end up being a one-and-done player as a backup center, a la Zach Collins back in 2017 uh, with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. But Klingon decides to stay, and he's uh, already a front-runner to be Big East Player of the Year next year a dark horse candidate to be an All-American, potentially even National Player of the Year conversation. That would be an incredible glow up from him from being a backup center to that kind of production. But 
you know, Zach Eady wasn't, wasn't a backup center before he exploded, but had a, a much smaller role before he had his breakout season last year for the Boilermakers. So it's possible that Klingon could do the same thing, but for UConn, finding an outside shooter, finding a scorer, finding somebody who could help replicate some of what they're losing in Jordan Hawkins was an absolute must. And it took them until early June to find their guy, but to find their guy, excuse me, but they get him in Rutgers transfer Cam Spencer. Uh, Spencer was interested in Miami as well. He had a handful of schools on his list after transferring out of Rutgers. He began his career at Loyola, Maryland, Maryland, and he was excellent for them. Uh, he averaged 14 and a half points across 58 total games in three seasons with Loyola, Maryland, ultimately transferred to Rutgers last year and played for the Scarlet Knights. Very, very excellent for them. 13.2 points per game last year in the Big Ten, 3.8 boards, 3.1 assists. He also averaged two steals, very good on the defensive end of the floor, very active hands uh, in that range, uh, 31 and a half minutes per game. Shot just over 45% on two-pointers, but the kicker, the key, the most valuable skill that Hurley and the Huskies acquired here. Cam Spencer last year for Rutgers shot 43.4% from three. Absolutely ridiculous ridiculous efficiency not in the not in a, at a mid-major level either in the big 10 cam spencer as a key player for rutgers shoots 43 and a half percent from three that is remarkable he also was a very very good free throw shooter 89 and a half percent last year this guy just has touch he is a pure shooter one of the best shooters that was available throughout this entire offseason. UConn lands him weeks after many of the biggest transfer portal names end up committing. A really nice move here for Danny Hurley's team because, like we said, they really needed to replace Hawkins. And now they have a core coming back with Tristan Newton. We know he's coming back, the Eastern Carolina transfer, who put up triple doubles at times last year. It was a little bit inconsistent periodically throughout the regular season, but when he was on was a really, really good guard for this UConn program. So they return Newton. They put Cam Spencer. He kind of slots into that two alongside Newton. So you have both those guys running the guard positions. You get Alex Caravan back after a very successful freshman season for him last year. You also get Klingon back. That's a really solid core four right there. They also add the ninth ranked freshman in the class of 2023, Stefan Castle, five-star guard coming in. Uh, that's a really good core. I still think there's some questions about their bench depth and maybe they'll have some guys step up and play some bigger roles than, than they showed last year. But losing a guy like Calcaterra, losing a guy like Aline definitely hurts this team as not as much as losing Sonogo and Newton, uh, or excuse me, and Hawkins and Jackson does. Losing those three guys is really, it's tough. Anytime you win a national championship, you're likely going to have a few more guys exit than maybe you were expecting. We talked a lot about Andre Jackson on this show and how, you can't really replicate what Andre Jackson does by just bringing in one player because he's such a gifted passer, such a gifted defensive player, not necessarily a great score, but does just about everything else you could ask him to do on the basketball court. But for UConn, finding a shooter, finding a player like Cam Spencer, it helps. Is this team necessarily, you know, are we going to write them in in pencil as, hey, this is now a top five team guaranteed next year and they're, they're going to be back contending for national championship? I'm not sure. Perhaps Isaac and I next week or soon. If we don't do it next week, we will do it very soon. We will redo our top 10, top 15 way too early, although not as early as we did it before, uh, top 25 for next season. And UConn is definitely going to be in that conversation as a top 10 team. 
And I think adding Cam Spencer absolutely helps, but I'm not quite sure it still does enough to put them back into that top five conversation. You have a team like Kansas that is absolutely loaded at this point. Duke is in that conversation. Michigan State is going to be in that conversation with all the returners and the really, really good recruiting class that they are bringing in. Purdue is probably in that conversation with Zach Eadie coming back with all those young guards getting an extra year now of experience under their belt. Uh, It's going to be a tough competition. But UConn's going to be right at the top of the Big East. They're going to be with Marquette. They're going to be with Creighton, competing with those two teams. And I think when you looked at the roster a few days ago, one of the glaring holes was they didn't have an outside shooter, somebody who could really space the floor, give more room for Klingon to operate, and, and kind of be that that presence for this team. And now they have it in Cam Spencer. I think this was about as perfect of an acquisition as this team could have possibly made at this point in the college basketball offseason. Well, Michigan made themselves an outstanding addition as well, adding Olivier Kamua from Tennessee. Again, a much-needed addition for Juwan Howard. We'll talk about why they really needed a win in the portal after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. I don't know how else to say it, so I'm just going to keep it simple. Bird Dog shorts and pants, they make you look good. The Bird Dog's stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. And look, we could all use a little help making our legs look as sculpted as possible. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing that Lululemon does, but they fit way better. They also fit better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. How? Bird Dogs fixed it by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. It also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college right now and enter the promo code locked on college and you will get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you bird dogs, a proud sponsor of the locked on podcast network. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Lockdown College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. For those of you checking out, checking us out on YouTube with our brand new graphics package that looks excellent, if I do say so myself. Uh, Isaac and I are going to be back next week. We're going to be continuing to talk about our way too early preseason top 10s, top 5s, what teams have improved the most, how the NBA draft uh, deadline went, and what teams have been most impacted by that. We'll, of course, continue to keep you updated on any transfer news that continues to happen as we get here into the month of June and closer and closer to that NBA draft as well. Right now, I want to talk about Michigan and Jawan Howard and Olivier Kamwa because it has been a very, very unique offseason for the Wolverines. We've talked about it at length here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You everyday listeners have heard us talk about Michigan and Caleb Love and Hunter Dickinson and Juwan Howard and the admissions department all sorts of times throughout the offseason. But right now they made themselves a really big time addition. Kama was a four-year player at Tennessee. He started every game in the last two seasons, kind of your classic development player for Rick Barnes and the Vols. He, he started his career as a backup, didn't start either of his first two seasons, steadily improved his playing time, started 22 games as a junior. That was all of the games that he played because of an injury, and then started every game last year for Tennessee as well, and kind of had his big breakout last year. points per game, which in Tennessee with their very, very, very 
uh, vaunted defense, 10 and a half points per game or 11 points per game is excellent. That's really, that's what you need from a guy like Kamawa on this program. He also averaged five boards, two assists, and just over half a block a game. Shot just over 55% on two-pointers. Not a super efficient three-point shooter, 33.3% on about one and a half attempts per game. But again, anytime you're, you're stretch big, you're, you're small ball five or even a, a small four here, anytime he can stretch the floor at least enough to keep the defense honest, that's a really, really valuable skill. Kamala absolutely has that. He was just about 70% on the dot from the free throw line last year as well. Going to read a quote here from Juwan Howard, who spoke about this edition recently. Uh, this quote came from the Detroit Free Press in an article there. Juwan, he says, quote, he brings so many intangibles and experiences, and we know that he will have an immediate impact for us. His strength, rebounding, hustle, back to the basket game, as well as outside shooting, are just a few of his skill sets that fans notice right away. However, what people don't realize is what a tremendous passer he is. He sees the floor and plays and develop. He, and he sees the floor and plays develop as good as anyone I have seen. We are very excited for him to get to Ann Arbor. A couple things about this quote. One. I think that Howard identifying him as a passer is an interesting note. I think it's it's true for starters. Kamo only averaged two assists per game last year, but again, Tennessee's offense kind of it, it dilutes some of the offensive numbers a little bit in ways that that aren't going to necessarily be as visible. But also, it, it makes me wonder how they're planning to use him. They mentioned the back-to-the-basket scoring game, but he also mentioned the outside shooting. Are they going to pull him a little bit farther away from the basket? Are they going to try to operate the offense a little bit more through him? Of course, this is a team that's lost so much of their offense from last year. I mean, just about all of it. They lose Hunter Dickinson, a monstrous loss in the transfer portal. We've talked about how Hunter Dickinson is perhaps the greatest player to ever be in the transfer portal in the modern transfer portal era, which means that Michigan has suffered perhaps the biggest loss in transfer portal era history by losing a guy who was a multiple-time All-Big Ten player, All-American caliber talent. So they lose him. You also lose Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin. They both go to the NBA draft. That's not a surprise. If you're talking about a team that went 18 and 16 last year, that missed the NCAA tournament, that lost in the second round of the NIT, and now you lose your three best players from last year, you make one big addition in the transfer portal in Caleb Love, and guess what? The same thing that happened last year happens again this year. Caleb Love does not get admitted to the University of Mission because of the admissions department. All the details there are, are yet unknown, may not ever be fully known, but we know this has happened two years in a row with Terrence Shannon, who ultimately ended up going to Illinois. Caleb Love ultimately ended up going to Arizona. And so for Jawan Howard, he loses his three best players. He makes one big splash in the portal and it ends up getting erased from him. And now you're kind of left scrambling. Kamoa is an incredible addition at this stage in the offseason, not just because he is one of the best players available, but because Michigan absolutely desperately needed a win. I think it's worth noting, too, that Juwan Howard speaking on this, and it get quotes being put out there, pictures of Kamoa wearing Michigan uniforms. All this stuff is important because it means that this move is finalized. This move is official. And for most schools, as soon as you hear an announcement that a player is transferring there, you can kind of just put it in pen. You can kind of just assume that it's done. Michigan, not necessarily the case. It's happened twice now. It's worth waiting on. And it's also worth acknowledging that for many people, uh, Namari Burnett and Trey Jackson, both players who committed to Michigan a long, long time ago in the transfer portal, Burnett out of Alabama, Trey Jackson out of Seton Hall, Michigan has not spoken about either of these players yet. 
Jawan Howard has not said a word publicly about them. The at the social media accounts for Michigan athletics, for Michigan basketball, have not tweeted about them, have not confirmed them, have not congratulated them. None of that has happened. Does that mean that they're not going to get admitted to Michigan? Probably not. Probably not. But it's worth acknowledging that they did do this with Kamala. They have made this announcement very publicly, have a, all these great quotes from Juwan about it, stuff in the newspaper, all that good stuff. And it hasn't happened with Burnett and Jackson. Kamala was a bigger addition than those two guys, just from a talent perspective, from a role perspective. But it's still noteworthy that those two guys haven't gotten that treatment yet because it means they're probably still doing some paperwork. Hopefully it's not an issue. Michigan doesn't need any more of this nonsense. They don't need any more of this to continue to happen to this program. Because honestly, this offseason, losing Dickinson was devastating. But what they have done since then has been okay. The Caleb Love thing is very unfortunate. It's outside of Juwan's control, outside of the basketball department's control. Namari Burnett is a good addition. He is a solid caliber player, somebody who should contribute right away for the Wolverines. Trey Jackson is a nice depth big man to add. You needed to replace Hunter Dickinson. Jackson wasn't going to do that all by himself, but Jackson and Kamawa is you're getting closer. You're getting more in a spot where at least you have some versatility. You have some offensive and defensive talent. You have a guy who could potentially st stretch the floor a little bit. They're in a better spot in the front court uh, with Kamawa and Trey Jackson, both coming in better than Hunter Dickinson. Of course not, but in a better spot than they were before Kamawa came here. So I think that this puts them in a, in a more interesting spot to compete in the big 10 to try to get back into the NCAA tournament. Again, a spot that they missed last year. Kamawa was, he was picking between some really high profile programs. Baylor was on his list, West Virginia, both those programs were, were heavily in consideration Two schools in the big 12 that would have been great landing spots for Kamawa, but he goes to Michigan, gets a chance to compete in the big 10. Uh, again, has to replace a lot of offensive talent. There's, there's more space for him to operate in this offense, I think. Because, again, they, they're a more free-flowing offense than he was in with Rick Barnes in Tennessee, for starters. And they just they lost their three leading scorers in Dickinson, Howard, and Bufkin. All those guys being gone just means that they need to find new guys to step into those big roles. And now they have a guy in Kamawa who, again, 11 points per game last year, not exactly an elite high-level scorer, but somebody who's more than capable of, of, of getting you 15, 20 points per game, uh, at least on a semi-regular basis. And, and he may be asked to do a lot more of that offensively in this offense. The Wolverines still have two scholarships remaining, assuming, of course, that all of these guys end up signing with this program. I'm curious to see if they're going to continue to look at the transfer portal, which is starting to dry up a little bit. There's still talented players out there. In fact, we know that they were in the top five for Zion Pullen, who we are going to speak about momentarily and his commitment to Florida. So they're still looking. There are still options out there, but again, it's sort of drying up. Whether that means they will find some, some more depth options to add to their roster with those final two scholarship spots, whether they'll try to add some yet-to-be-committed 2023 prospects to beef up their recruiting class. Maybe there's a reclassification coming. Maybe there's a, a walk-on they want to add on scholarship. There's tons of different things you can do with final scholarship spots, but... For Michigan, adding a player like Kamawa was desperately needed to help make this fan base feel a little bit better about what has been an unfortunate offseason for the Wolverines up to this point. And it's going to make their team significantly better on the basketball court when the season rolls around in November. Well, Todd Golden's first year at Florida, it, it really didn't go as planned, but his stellar offseason continued with the addition of UC Riverside guard Zion Poland. More on that coming up right after this. 
All right, folks, closing out the show today, talking about a third big-time transfer. These are the three guys here in Spencer, in Kamawa, in Poland, who are three of the top five, maybe, at the very least, three of the top ten available transfers still in the transfer portal. All three of these guys make their decisions here in the, in the last week or so. Nice to kind of see some more movement continuing to happen as the talent pool continues to shrink in the transfer portal. Poland was a guy who... Ultimately had a top five of Florida, LSU, Xavier, Michigan, and Gonzaga. He narrowed that list down to two and was choosing between the Gators of Florida and the Tigers of LSU. Ultimately, as many people projected, he joins Todd Golden. He's going to the swamp. He's going to play for the Gators next season. Poland is a graduate transfer with one year of eligibility remaining. He spent the past four years all at UC Riverside in the Big West Conference, was very solid all four years. He was a bench player his first year at a double-digit score in each of the last three seasons, and he really had his full-on breakout in the 22-23 season with Riverside. 18.3 points per game, 4.4 boards, 4.2 assists, and just under one steal per game. He shot just almost exactly 50% on two-pointers. He shot 39.5% from three. That is a critical skill set for Poland and what he brings to Florida. He was also about 77% from the free-throw line. And his 39.5% last year was excellent. It's worth noting that he is a career 35% three-point shooter, so that was a, a bigger boost than we have typically seen from him. And he's got a career two three-point attempts per game. So he's not a volume shooter. And he hasn't always been an elite three-point shooter. But last year, he was 40%. So he has obviously demonstrated that, of course, over the course of a full season and a full season where he was scoring 18 points per game and clearly the top option for a not very good Riverside team, he proved he can shoot about 40% from deep. So you got to love that if you're Todd Golden. you got to love that if you're a Florida fan because you're getting a guy who has proven that he can really knock down those threes, even if he hasn't done it throughout the majority of his college basketball career. This is the fifth transfer portal edition for Todd Golden. Uh, and this portal class has been ranked really highly. Evan Miyakawa, uh, who does a fantastic job, his website, evanmia.com. That's Evan M I Y A.com. If you subscribe to that site, you get updates on transfer portal stuff. You get a, a huge spreadsheet that shows you basically every player who's moved in and out of the program where he has them ranked. Uh, it's really, really valuable resource. One of the best things that I have seen in college basketball this offseason. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, the site also ranks every team's transfer portal activity. And Florida has been one of the top five teams in the transfer portal throughout the offseason, really since their addition of Walter Clayton out of Iona, who is the eighth ranked transfer in the portal process. Uh, that was really kind of elevated this program. And now they add Poland into the mix as well. Again, Walter Clayton from Iona was ranked 11th. Micah Handlockton out of Marshall was ranked 11th. He's a center. And then they added a pair of forwards in EJ Jarvis out of Yale who's ranked 48th in the transfer portal, again, at Evan Mia's website. Uh, power forward Tyrese Samuel out of Seton Hall. He was ranked 88th. And then Poland. Those are your five transfer portal additions, all coming from various schools, all joining Tad Todd Golden's team. Now, Florida also has some significant losses on their roster, none more significant than Colin Castleton. Colin Castleton was one of the best players in the SEC last year, a dominant low post scorer. Uh, he's out of eligibility. He's in the NBA draft process. Uh, we'll see if he gets drafted. I think he's probably more of a 
undrafted free agent, maybe two-way guy that just because he he kind of suffers the same syndrome that a lot of really dominant low post scorers have suffered in college basketball recently, where their game just doesn't translate to the NBA as well as it would have 25 years ago. Uh, but Castleton was was exceptional last year and losing him really, really hurts. This team also lost Kawasi Reeves, who transferred to Georgia Tech. They lost Kyle Lofton, who graduated. That's three tough losses for this team. But they return Will Richard. They return Riley Kugel. They return Alex Fudge. And now they have these five transfers coming in. Again, Walter Clayton out of Iona was Rick Pitino's best player last year. He's extraordinary talent. And then you have Poland, 40% three-point shooter last year, 18 points per game, double digits in each of the last three seasons. Again, a guy that Xavier was interested in, a guy that Gonzaga was interested in, uh, a guy that Michigan was interested in, of course, as kind of a replacement for Caleb Love. And now he goes to Florida. And I'll be really interested to see what Todd Golden can do, not as much with Poland because he's a one-year guy, so I don't think you're going to see this tremendous development from him necessarily, but Todd Golden is kind of a guard whisperer. And now that he's been at Florida for a year, he's been in the SEC, he's kind of got his bearings straight a little bit more in terms of what it takes to compete at that level. The jump from San Francisco to Florida is a fairly significant one, even though I think the WCC is a solid basketball conference. And I think he proved, you know, he made he took his team to the NCAA tournament and they went into overtime in the first round against Murray State in a matchup that I wish had not happened between two really fun mid-major teams in Murray State and San Francisco at the time. But Golden had a ton of success with Jamari Bouye at the University of San Francisco for even the most diehard college basketball fans. Even you everyday listeners may not know much about Jamari Bouye, but trust me, look him up. He is an absolute star. He was a star at USF. He was a star in the G League last year. He got a two, he got a 10-day contract with Miami. And look, if there's any team in the NBA that can turn an undrafted free agent into a star, it's the Miami Heat. They've been doing it for a real long time. And Jamari Bouye is with that Heat program right now. Really, really good last year in the G League. Keep an eye on Jamari Bouye, I'm telling you right now. Khalil Shabazz just graduated from USF. Their three-point, their all-time leader in three-pointers made. One of the greatest guards in San Francisco history. An extraordinary talent. Uh, he started his career at Central Washington University uh, at D2 school. Transfers to USF becomes their their leader in franchise history and three-pointers one of the one of the best mid-major guards in the country last year and and while obviously last year he did not play for Todd Golden he developed under Todd Golden Todd Golden can do magical stuff with guards and adding Zion Poland again they'll probably use, they'll not probably they will certainly use him in a different role than they than he was used at UC Riverside I don't think he's going to be the uh, focal point of the offense the ball handler the you know the kind of the, the way that a lot of mid-major guards who average 18 points per game for a bad team like that when you transfer up you end up having to adjust to a different role for those who don't know I also host a locked on Zags podcast and so I talked a lot about Poland as a potential fit for Gonzaga and one of the things I compared him a lot to Malachi Smith, who ultimately just graduated from Gonzaga after one year in the program, because Malachi Smith scored 20 points per game at Chattanooga, came to Gonzaga, played a sixth man role, was very, very good in said sixth man role. In fact, he won the WCC Sixth Man of the Year award, but it took him a little bit of time to find his bearing because he was he'd spent four years of college basketball being the guy. When you spend your entire high school career and your entire college career as the best player on your team or the vast majority of your college career, in Poland's case, as the best player on your team, it can be hard to go somewhere else. And A, your competition level improves. And B, you're not the best player on your team. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Most players adjust to this very well. 
Baylor Shireman is a phenomenal example. He was one of the best players on that Creighton team because he's a really talented basketball player, but he was not better than Ryan Kalkbrenner. He was not better than Ryan Nemhard. You could make arguments about where he falls next to Arthur Kaluma and Trey Alexander from last year's team. At best, he's third on that team. But he adjusted swimmingly. He looked exceptional last year. Grant Nelson's a player. I'm very intrigued to see what that's going to look like for him when he goes to either Alabama or Arkansas. As we're recording this, he has not made an announcement between those two programs. But either way, he's not going to be the best player on either of those two teams. So what does that look like for him? For Poland, I'm very interested what his adjustment looks like at Florida, but he's going to play for a guard, or excuse me, a coach who has a reputation of developing guards uh, in a really exceptional way. I also am curious, I have not seen this connection made publicly yet, but it wouldn't be surprising to me if Todd Golden had had a hand in trying to recruit Poland out of high school when he had ultimately ended up going to Riverside because Golden was, of course, at San Francisco at the time. So there's probably a prior connection there. They may have helped him land uh, land Poland this time around in the transfer portal. Either way, phenomenal addition for Todd Golden. I think Florida is a team that is uh, maybe not getting as much attention at this point in the offseason as they will. Maybe when we get into October, November, we start looking at, hey, which teams are kind of primed to, to really turn things around next year? And I really think that Golden and the, and the Gators are going to be on that list because they made five transfer portal additions. Uh, they lost some really significantly talented players, of course, but I think that they're I think that Golden starting to get guys that he likes better is going to be good for this program. And I'm excited to see what the Gators can do uh, in his second full season at the helm uh, over there in Florida. All right, that is going to do it for us today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Of course, you can find this podcast wherever you already get your podcast. You can find us on YouTube as well. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with more fun stuff on the transfer portal and the NBA draft process. But for now, peace out.